This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, checking in with Charlie, uh, yours truly, the good morning chef of the garden, Frank Franklin Proctor. Proctor. And look, sitting beside I you. I know. Very special guest. Here in the studio, live, Liberty from Liberty Village, we have Paul DeGroote. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Wearing a hat today because he banged his noggin on a sprinkler system, right? Well, <laughs> six foot two, you've got to learn to stoop over yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think I would learn these things <laughs> after a while. <laughs> oh. But I don't think I've ever seen Paul really without a hat. He is oh, really? a hat yes. kind of a guy. There, there is that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But it's a good excuse, right? When, you, when you're bleeding, you just cover it with a hat, and you would do that. Now, I heard you just kind of interviewing Paul prior to the show. Yes. A little background stuff. We'll yeah. get to that in a moment, but I have to do my job here yes, getting the phone numbers on the air. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I get you know what from Charlie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here are the numbers to call. In Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Then anywhere else in the province, toll free 1-866-740-4740. If you're a first-time caller, please, uh, please let Sebastian know, and uh, he'll pass that message along to me. And when you get the air... You're going to get the old uh, <laughs> wings. wings, yes. Your garden, garden wings. wings. And, oh, our mantra, I should mm-hmm. is fly that in here. Call early, call often, one question per call, and, uh, yeah, that'll be about it. Okay. Okay. Uh, just a couple of, you know, as is my want. Oh, yes. <laughs> the no things that are <laughs> happening uh, in the world of horticulture because spring is in the air. I mean, look at this upcoming week. The forecast is phenomenal. Sunshine, double digits, like, mm. hello. Mm-hmm. Bathing suit out there. Let's get the <laughs> Speedo, weeds. Wild, yeah. Well, everybody's been south, right? So they've got these suntans they're working on. It's an opportunity to keep that tan. I haven't been south, I would like to point out, but nevertheless. So, again, a big welcome to Paul, Paul DeGroote, joining us today from NVK Nurseries located in Waterdown, Ontario. Paul knows lots and lots and lots about trees. Well, about lots of things, but particularly trees are his love, I believe. Am I right? Yes. Okay. And so he knows how to grow them. Um, for the best success. So questions about pruning, how to choose a tree, how to transplant a tree, or just when to water and fertilize trees. If you've got anything like that burning in the back of your brain, call today and Paul will tune you into how he would do it. What right. were you just going to say? Yeah. It's pretty, well, pretty I was hard going to, to say, tell somebody how to plant a tree. You pretty much got to show them how to t- plant a tree, well, but, this but is we can do our best. Your challenge today, because you are a, a do-it kind of a guy. I know this. I know you quite well. And and the <laughs> speaking the words, the, the getting the visuals going can be challenging, but that's going to be what you do. And you, you do a great job, and I will buy you breakfast. When I was... Oh! Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. This, you, is, this is special. You are being favored. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, this time of year, as you're... We're 
coming into spring or close mm-hmm. to. Uh, good time to get out there and, speaking of trees, kind of get some of the bad wood out, you know, trim those trees. Uh, bad wood, I like that. It's, that's bad, a good horticultural bad wood, term. Bad wood. <laughs> bad wood. <laughs> but, you know, any of the broken branches, whatever, time to... Dead, diseased, yeah. and damaged. Yeah. Absolutely. This can be, be a good time. Taken out any time. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, Frank, you're so on it. Oh, Ten years me. we've been doing this show, and finally. look at what he's and, learned. And he's finally learning something <laughs> about yes, trees. Yes, exactly. I know. It's an amazing thing. Thing. He's come a really long ways. <laughs> Considering he killed artificial plants before he met me, <laughs> now he's like he knows stuff. So listen, if you're in the, the Hamilton Burlington area this weekend, there's lots going on at the Royal Botanical Gardens. Double feature. They've got the Frogs show going on, which is very cool. Uh, that's that's still happening in the uh, RBG Center. But the annual Orchid show is happening as well this weekend. We went to the tor- the one in Toronto a couple of weeks ago. Oh, well, you were away. Uh, I went with um, Sean James. Sean was here uh, filling in for you. So Sean and I went to the uh, Orchid Show. You and I went a couple of years ago yes, at yes. the Toronto Botanical. So it's a great way to just cheer yourself up. It's so pretty. Um, beautiful exhibits. So for more information about times and you know admission prices, etc., go to www.rbg.ca. And I just need to mention the Ageless Gardens series is mm-hmm. ongoing. So this Monday, 9 p.m., Vision TV. I believe we're up to episode four, and there are five episodes in total. The episode four is one that I'm in, so if you haven't watched any of them, make sure you watch this coming Monday. Uh, it's all about growing community. So a quote from... Um, Actually, where is this quote from? Bottom line is, here's a quote. A group of community (laughs) gardeners campaigned to change City Boulevard gardening laws. So this is part of what Mm. the show is about. A radio host, that's me, keeps a virtual community of gardeners uh, together over the airwaves. And recent immigrants and refugees seek engagement with others in their new community. So, 9 o'clock this Monday. Why not check it out? I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, good stuff. Yeah. All righty. Yeah. <clears throat> we have to uh, bump up against our first break here, but we shall return in moments. Just let me emphasize, lines are completely open right now. Wow. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk to us today. <clears throat> What's going on here? I okay. So, a reminder of those phone numbers. <laughs> We'd love for you to call. 416-360-0740 in the Toronto area and anywhere in the province. Toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Paul, Charlie, and yours truly, Frankie. We'll return in moments. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips, and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie and Paul, let's take a little trip out to Empire Corners around the Cayuga area. I love uh, that name. There's Werner on the line. Good morning, Werner. Welcome to the show. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Beautiful day out there, actually. Oh, uh, I have a question. I have five years ago, I got a, uh, was given a, you know, just your little pot of amaryllis mm-hmm. in the kit that yeah. came from, you know, the grocery yeah. store. Yeah. Uh, this year I have a uh, a bulb. Do I water it? Do I? What do I do now? So I want to make sure it blooms and doesn't die on me. Uh, so it's just been a dormant bulb since how long ago? Uh, last fall. Oh, okay. So. I- you know what? I'm, in a sense, I'm the wrong person to ask because every time I've ever tried to rebloom an amaryllis, I just get a lot of leaves. But theoretically, that dormant bulb 
if you bring it into some sunshine and you water it once, it should pop a flower bud out the top anytime now. And once it's been fast asleep for a good 10, 12 weeks, you're good to go. It should uh, produce a flower first, followed by leaves. But I'm the queen of leaves when it comes to amaryllis. <laughs> well, I've had leaves and it does have uh, three leaves growing and then one, bu- one big stem with a bulb on, on it. Oh, so that's your flower bud coming, by the sounds of it. Yes. So do I water it? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Make sure it's in sunshine. Don't let it uh, rot from too much sitting in water. Right. But definitely. Water thoroughly. Let it drain thoroughly. Keep it in the sunshine. Water as required. What That might be every few days. might be once a week. Just depends how big your pot is and how much soil is in it. Yeah, it's not very big, and I've just left it compact because I thought mm. I had heard you say... Don't give them a lot of space. That's right. No, they like to be pot bound. They like to be quite tight in the pot. So okay. that's great. So, you know, use your finger, feel the soil, but definitely you've got to support that growth and you've got to provide the water to do that. Ooh, I'm excited. All right. <laughs> All <laughs> Thanks right. very much, Charlie. Thank I you want to report us. back on that, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll and let you know you what can... color it is if it comes out. All right, and then you can be the expert on amaryllis for all the calls that we get. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very Thank much you so for much. calling. Thanks. All righty. Delightful to welcome you in from Empire Corners. Hey, uh, this is an international show, you know. Yes, uh, it we've is. We've got listeners south all of over the border, the world. too. All over the world, yeah. Yes, we do. There's Emmy in Eaton, New York. Good morning, Emmy. Welcome to the show. Good morning to you both. Good morning. I have a composting question. <laughs> I've got a nice compost bin, and I'm wondering about putting in pistachio shells, cherry pits, avocado pits. Will they ever break down? Absolutely, eventually. Oh, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're really unlucky, the avocado <laughs> right. pits I just didn't might want to... grow. Yeah, they could grow, exactly. I've had, I've had mango seeds, pits grow in my compost before many times, and avocados as well. But no, it's all good. You want to add in all kinds of what we call the browns and the greens. So your pits and shells act like browns, and your uh, banana peels and coffee grounds act like greens, the wet versus the dry. So it's, uh, no, it's all good. Add it in there and mix it up, and it'll slowly but surely breakdown. Oh, great. Yeah, I've been putting in everything else, but I just was concerned eventually I'll have a bunch of rocks in my garden that maybe oh. they wouldn't break down. <laughs> and I love composting. It really cuts down on the trash. I think it should be well, mandatory. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Where exactly is Eaton, New York? Oh, south of Buffalo. Just oh, sound yeah. the buffalo. Okay, that's great. All right. Thank you very thanks, much. Thanks for popping by across the border to uh, I mean, <laughs> join us. Before you go, are you still there? Yes. Do you have, um, where you live, what we have in the last few years, which is what we call the green bin program? So our, our organic waste is taken away by our municipality. Do you have that um, where you live? I haven't heard of it, but I would like to have it. Okay. So here, a lot of people stopped home composting because they realized they could just send their eggshells and coffee grounds off to a, um, the municipality. Um, sort of composting facility, and and then they just get it off the property that way. But it can come back to you because you can go pick up free compost. Oh, they'll, really? have, they'll usually have an open house at least once a year where it's help yourself and get it back. Oh, oh absolutely. Yes. That's a great idea. But I thought even a, an apartment complex, one yeah. tiny bin doesn't take up much space, and That's, it certainly cuts down on it. does. Yeah, it's all going yeah. into the landfill, and you don't want that. That's exactly. not good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you. you for Thanks joining for us. Call. Come on back anytime, okay? All right. Uh, We're going to take a little bit of a break here and uh, come back and be joined on the show by another caller, Mary Jane, by name, actually. Well, I still uh, want Paul to tell us a bit about his background, too. Let's let's come back and... 
get Paul DeBrute in action here. About time someone <laughs> what said. What if I don't want to okay. talk about yeah. <laughs> No, it's too right. bad. You're going to have to. It'll be dead reminder, air if you won't. <laughs> a reminder of those phone numbers just before I take a break. 416-360-0740 in Toronto. Anywhere else, toll free. 1-866-744-740. Back in a moment. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, our special guest this morning, Paul DeGroote. Uh, a little background is needed here, I think, Charlie. I think so, too. And when, I, when Paul came into the studio with me, I said, so, Paul, like, whatever got you into this business? And what did you say? I was born and raised beside a nursery that was owned, a garden center that was owned by my father uh-huh. and who has since passed on, but my brothers still run it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man. And every, that's called every, DeGroote's. Oh, DeGroote's, DeGroote's Nursery in Sarnia. Right. Pretty much every waking hour, if I wasn't doing homework, I was working at the nursery just because it was expected. Yeah. As a family business, mm-hmm. you did everything you could to support it. You had no option when you were a kid, too, right? Yeah. You get told. So and I can't believe after, you stayed. Yeah. After high school, I oh, I worked in a plumbing retail store for a year. Then I went to college just to see what other interests I had, because I was really, really, really sick of gardening. <laughs> <laughs> At least I thought I was. And I took philosophy, and I took psychology, and I took sociology, and I loved it for about a year and a half. <laughs> And when I realized this pencil-pushing job wasn't going to be for me, I, yeah, through a series of funny events, I took a different way home once and saw this place called Connor Nurseries. <laughs> I think this is so funny. And applied for a job. And that was a few years ago. <laughs> and that was 34 years wow, ago. That is wow. correct. All right. Have they given you the gold watch or is that you oh, got to yes. be the I'm wearing it. Oh, there you go. Oh, really? They're pretty I mean, traditional, whoa, eh? Very nice. That's very nice. I, when did you get that on your 25th anniversary? They actually gave it to me on my 27th. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> they had to order Don't. it special. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> took two, took two years, two years to, get to get it, it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul has a, a raft of information about trees. Uh, I just have, I'm going to bring love, up one little yeah. thing, if I may. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found it really fascinating. I said to Paul, you know, uh, years ago when I owned 15 and a half acres up around Goodwood, uh, that's in the Stovall area, I thought, I'm going to plant, uh, plant black walnut trees. And then, you know, 40 years later, boy, I'm, I'm a rich guy. I didn't do it. But if I had, <laughs> and Paul s- surprised me uh. by saying, no, you know what? I don't like black. Explain why you don't like right. black walnut. <laughs> In general, I don't like black walnut. Yes, they're a native plant, and I am fully on native plants, mm-hmm. native trees. Yeah. But black walnut and a few other cousins, other kinds of walnuts, European walnut, uh, emit poison from their roots and I believe from the stems, the leaflets, the leaves, the seeds that fall. They f- when they fall and decompose. When they fall on the ground, yeah. and that limits the the kinds of plants that you can grow under a walnut. Wow. I have a list in my back pocket of plants that will tolerate that poison. That poison is called juglone. But, uh, yeah, I don't like black walnuts. <laughs> Isn't that wild, see? Yeah, and you well, didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. And, and a good I, thing I didn't follow through with my original plan then. And I was just teaching my students on Thursday about that, actually. Well, how about I, that? Now, some uh, very knowledgeable tree gentleman that I am acquainted with mm-hmm. told me once that you can add up to eight inches of topsoil on top of a black walnut root area mm-hmm. 
and you can plant almost anything in that mm-hmm. because it takes a long time before the mm-hmm. juggalone moves up, where the poison yeah. comes up. Yeah. Wow. I, that's a, that sounds kind of counterintuitive to be able to add that much soil over top. It doesn't sound top. like it's safe, healthy for any tree. That's right. To be added. That's that the fantasy? tree roots are with, yeah. where they are for a reason. They are wanting to be exposed to the air and not covered with eight more inches of soil. Right. Well, I guess a little stress sometimes is a good thing. Yeah. Speaking of stress, uh, maybe somebody on the line uh, going, hmm, are they ever coming to me? Yes, yes Mary, Mary Jane. Jane and Milton, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good morning. Um, Charlie, I uh, gather my zinnia seeds each year, and I've had good luck with them. Mm-hmm. But this year I gathered them, dried them, but left them out in the garage. Now, with this frost and cold weather, I'm wondering if they will germinate this, this year. Mm. I'd certainly try. Well, I, I wanted to give some to my friends, and I, I sort of hesitate that uh, I have lots, lots left, so I'll but, give them a go. But you can do like a little germination test just with, a, say, 10 seeds, a moist paper towel right there on the kitchen counter. Just get a little, little Petri dish, just get a little saucer out, moisten a paper towel, drop 10 seeds, fold the towel over, uh, lay a plastic bag or a piece of saran wrap loosely over top, and let it just sit there. Check 24 hours later, carefully open up your paper towel, look for any the seed coat having broken. If nothing happens, close it back up, wait another 24 hours. Usual um, germination time on zinnias, I think, is about 7 to 10 days, and you'll know because you've grown them. And and so give them that time frame and keep that paper towel moist, uh, not underwater, of course, but moist. And, um, and just at some point, once you've got to, say, the two-week point and nothing's grown, you're at 0% germination, then you'll say, hmm, I might have to buy some zinnia seeds this year. Right. But, Right. You can just you know well, work out your percentage germination mm-hmm. by putting a counted number of seeds onto the the paper towel. I will try that, and right. I thank you very much. You're very welcome. Great, have a great day, and thanks for joining us. That's high tech seed high tech seed germination testing. There you go. Yeah, viability. Uh, there's Ken in St. Catharines mm. waiting to fly through some uh, comments. Hey, good morning, Ken. Hello. Good morning. Yes. Good morning. Uh, I'd like to know about the geraniums. Uh, I'd like to start some geraniums in the under fluorescent lights. Is, is it too late to start? Too late to start seeds, yep. I mean, you can start them, but they won't flower till maybe July or August. You want to get geranium seeds in the ground. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Geranium seeds must be planted at Christmas time. At Christmas? Yep, or oh. early, or first week of January, in order to have flowers in June. Oh, so too late. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then, thank or, you. Or find a friend who happens to have one in their living room yeah. that's already going. Cuttings. And steal the cuttings. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is the time of year to take cuttings off of anybody who's overwintering geraniums, which many people do. They do love their geraniums. So that's a, that's a thought as well. Um, okay, thanks for your call, Ken. Okay, uh, on we go oh, look, to... Uh, look at mm. that question about black walnut coming oh, up. Uh-oh. Really? Oh, oh, oh okay. you started we'll something. Mo- moments. <laughs> uh, Zoe is first on the line, I yeah. do believe. Yeah. Good morning, Zoe. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. What's going on? I'd like to know um, if um, uh, these evergreens, there were the emerald evergreens, we transplanted them, oh, about 10 of them last year, early they look beautiful all along they're tall though they were about six feet more but now two weeks ago they all start going brown 
just two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So Cedars. I'm wondering uh, whether this funny weather did that, or are, is there a chance they're all going to come around again? Can you tell us when you planted them? What month? We transplant. Um, oh, early, early, early summer last year. So you had them on the property, and then you moved them to a different location? Right. And you had, had them for a number of years at that time? Uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. And early summer, given that we had such a wet summer, what do you think, Paul? It would have been a perfect time to move them. Mm-hmm. Plus, we, plus, we really watered them. Like, we had the sprinkler on, oh, every day for a few hours. Oh, for how long? The rest of the summer? Like, yeah. Oh, oh. might have overwatered them. <laughs> yes. Oh. In general, cedars do like a fair bit of water, but that sounds like you might have given them too much, and they didn't even stop growing at the end of mm-hmm. the summer, the fall. Oh. And then when the winter hit, they... Tender growth could have gotten frosted off. Right. Emerald the, seed, sorry, they go look- ahead. It's not just the tips. It's like it looks like some of them are pretty solid. They're they're not quite dried out and dead looking, but they're brown. Yeah, no, they turn uh, do they bronze. come around when they're brown like that, or is that it? Well, the brown will stay brown. The question is, will new green grow in its place? Um, quick question: What do, is there? Do you notice that <clears throat> any particular side of the cedars are brown? Like, is it the south side or the west side? Can you? Is that obvious? Uh, it's the. Uh, well, I didn't go because it's standing beside a fence, so I don't know what the back looks like. Mm. But the front is facing uh, south. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, can I say some, add something else? Yeah. You know what? They're in the shade a little bit, like mm. a lot in the shade. They'll mm. tolerate some shade. Had they oh. been in some shade before you transplanted them? No. They okay. were in 100% sun. Okay, so that might have been what happened to you. You know what? The, all is not lost. I would hold on. Remember that it, when a plant grows, whether it grows in sun or shade, the leaves that grow are designed for that light exposure. So they're able to photosynthesize because they've grown to cope in that environment. We uh-huh. move a plant into a different, very different light exposure. Suddenly those leaves aren't able to survive and do the photosynthesis they were built to do. So uh-huh. those leaves will die. And if a plant is healthy, new ones will grow. So well, when, th- you, when you say the plant's healthy, you mean these brown things might die off and the stalk and the, um, the no, twigs? Yeah, so you, what you may find is, like, I wouldn't panic. Wait till we get another couple of weeks, even a month or more into spring. You're going to uh-huh. go out there at some point, put your gloves on, and you're going to comb the cedars. So you're going to stick your fingers in between all those branches, and you're going to comb in an upward motion. Uh-huh. The dead stuff's going to fall off when you do that. Uh-huh. And if there's new growth, you will, at that point, be able to start seeing little bits of green starting to grow on what will then be naked stems. Okay. You, you may want to do some cutting back of the very dead, clearly shriveled up wood on the plant. But uh-huh. if it's not shriveled up and dead, let it be and keep an eye on it. And if it's if it survived, you'll know that within what, where are we, February, March, April, you'll know in the next three months, one way or the other, whether they're alive or dead. All righty. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> now we're just sorry you called. <laughs> but the transplanting was a lot of work, too, I imagine, which is yeah. always frustrating with emerald cedars. Thanks for joining us, Zoe. And, uh, boy, the black walnut. Uh, you started item. something. I did. Uh, Siva in Toronto is online with us right now with a question I do believe about that. Good morning, Siva. Good morning, guys. Good morning. I want to know, when the nut falls off the tree and the outside is green, I want to know if that's poisonous. I'm afraid I don't know that much. Sorry? 
What, sorry, say that again. When what falls off the tree? The, oh, walnut, the nuts, the, the black walnuts. walnuts. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. the fruit comes down yep. and it's green on the outside. Mm-hmm. It's the nut itself. Yep, yep. Every, Is that poisonous? Well, in the sense that it contains the chemical that makes it an unfriendly environment to other plants. Yes, all oh. parts of the black walnut. Okay, carry so 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 if walnut. you were going to crack it to eat it, you shouldn't then. Oh, well, that's a whole different world. Um, have you ever, Paul, ever harvested uh, walnuts here in Ontario? No, because I heard they're very nutritious, but mm-hmm. they're supposed to be black. So yep. s- sometimes you see them, and they're green when they fall off the tree. Okay, that is the outer shell, the husk. Yeah. Uh, that needs to be cut open. You can watch the squirrels do it. Mm-hmm. And the seeds, the actual good part of the seed is inside that. There should be two seeds per big green husk mm-hmm. hmm. have you ever oh. harvested them and have roasted I them i ever tried it? no no uh, i i understood the nuts are very good yeah, so vi- it's a vi- I, I i usually pick them up but they're green and i was always worried as to whether it might be poisonous so uh well okay so the whole thing is you it, it's a lot of work i've never done it but everything i've ever heard about harvesting and roasting uh black walnuts and they were our first settlers, Europeans that came mm-hmm. to Canada, this was a very important source of food, uh, but it is a ton of work to get through. You've got to get that green husk off. There's a shell beneath that. You've got to get out your hammer, bang that open, yeah, and yeah. inside it's going to be a raw walnut. Yeah, uh, or, okay. I, I've seen it done. I just wanted yeah. to know if the green outside was poisonous, and not, I should be careful like really, when really poisonous it. to a person? Mm-hmm. No, but, not no. just detrimental to other plants around. But there's going to be an optimal time to harvest. So when they're green and they fall, is it because they are mature, or is that because squirrels have been chewing on them and dropped them down on your head? Like, is it so that I'd have to check? I'm not absolutely positive what it should look like for a perfect maturity of the nut. So I can let you know about that one, Steve. I can look that up. Okay, All right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, thank You're you very welcome. much. Uh, you are listening to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM 740, and of course in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. As we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, we have to take a little bit of a break here, but another walnut, black walnut question Great. coming up in just moments here on the show, back in a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, this morning, we're pleased to welcome Paul DeGroote as a special guest. He's an expert in anything to do with trees. Oh, and now, that, now, don't Well, stop. okay. Uh, he knows maybe, a lot. Uh, I'm overselling him. But wait, 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 wait. Let's just go back yeah. to Siva's question okay. about the walnuts. All right. Uh, so it appears that walnuts ripen. You get g- good harvests every couple of years, not every year. And that makes sense. That's true with all the fruit trees. So you get these nuts. When they naturally fall from the tree is when they are mature. And at that point, it's the removing of that green husk that starts the process of either roasting to eat or stratifying to save and plant. So that's that's the process. And so, yes, indeed, they are certainly perfectly fine to eat. You wouldn't eat the green husk, but you got to get it off. And Good luck with that, because yes. <laughs> there's some great suggestions for, you know, put them in a cement mixer with a bunch of gravel oh, and roll them around, and then the husks will fall off. So, yes, indeed, good luck with that. All right. <laughs> Margaret from Cambridge going to join us now. Hi, Margaret. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. I'm calling regarding a black walnut tree mm-hmm. that is on the other side of our, our fence on a hill, 
so I'm getting everything on my flower beds that is on the on the, our side of the the fence. And it's your neighbor's tree, I guess. Uh, oh, it's not. I've been cutting branches off it and everything. Mm. But it is almost impossible to keep, like pick the seeds and the leaves and the, bre- the, the those branches. Mm-hmm. Is it okay to leave that on the flower bed, or is it, because I know it's poisonous. Well, right? what kind of flowers are you growing, and how well do they grow? Uh, well, I'm, I'm all kinds of stuff, like mm-hmm. mostly bushes, mm-hmm. and I've got blueberries, and, uh, you know, like all kinds of... Um, and, and things are healthy and happy and grow quite well? Uh, there's a couple of them that are not, so uh, I don't know if it's one that uh, the black. Uh, walnut yeah, is bothering or not. Likely. So. If, yeah, if your soil is reasonably good and uh, some things are thriving and some things are not, mm-hmm. it is likely that, that, that the non-thriving plants are susceptible and sensitive to the black walnuts uh, mm-hmm. exudate, which is uh, from the roots, uh, an actual chemical that it just sets up a very unfriendly environment. So yeah. you're saying so much debris comes out of this oh, tree. Yeah. The, the, it's a challenge to keep the soil surface clear and clean. Yeah. Um, Spring, if, summer, and fall, yeah, and then plus wow. these walnuts that the squirrels are eating mm-hmm. on the fence. Yeah, I know they drop stuff everywhere. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think? I mean, what do you think, Paul? There's not much. I mean, yeah. if it's just so much debris and and um, Margaret's plants are growing reasonably well, then they they're fine. They're obviously tolerant of what's going on and what's coming from that tree. So to not worry too much about good garden hygiene when it comes to picking up. But all I've that been stuff. picking that stuff, and it's really time consuming. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I'd say if your plants are doing okay, you know, your gardens beneath or close to that tree are doing reasonably well. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. You know, you are picking up, as you say. If you stopped picking up, would they suddenly start to deteriorate? I don't think so. I think you'd find that the, the environment beneath the soil is exactly the same. And if they're coping now, they'll continue to cope. Yeah. Oh, okay. That okay. sounds good. Yeah, so save yourself some time and effort. Put up a hammock. Relax. <laughs> Pour a martini. Yeah. Enjoy the garden. There you go. <laughs> enjoy the squirrels digging holes in there. <laughs> everywhere to hide these nuts. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Margaret. Thanks, Margaret. Uh, let's uh, let's go to Hamilton right now. Sure, There's Barbara not? waiting to uh, have a word oh. here. Hi, Barbara. And look, she wants to talk about black walnuts. Yes, Good sir. morning, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Charlie and Frank. How are you today? Great. Excellent. Oh, that's good. Well, I have two questions, and I have to think which one is priority. That's (laughs) right, yeah. (laughs) And um, and I really don't know which one is, but uh, this year I want to plant, so I'll uh, hope that maybe I can get an answer to the other one another time. Okay. But um, I want to plant flowers around my walnut tree. It's in the front yard. Mm-hmm. It was planted for the squirrels by my dad. Uh, nice. And they love it. And it's neat to watch <laughs> them, collect them, and they come up on my front little ledge where my porch is, and they'll sit there and they'll crack them open and they use that ledge as the table. <laughs> and it's a mess to clean up. It's a chore, but now that I'm retired, I can do it. That's great. And last year... I must have had 2,000 walnuts from them. Wow. And uh, Well, I did have over 2,000 because I have to pick them up. <laughs> you counted them. <laughs> in a different way than most people because I have mobility issues. So I have to use my reacher to pick them up, the ones that squirrels don't get. 
mm-hmm. and um, to keep the yard clean to be able to cut the lawn. But I want to know what kind of flowers I would plant around this walnut tree. Paul, do you have any suggestions? I happen to have a list in front of me. <clears throat> okay. Uh, in general, native plants are more tolerant to that poison, to juglone. So flowering. Uh, I'm talking. I like color. Golden nine bark, or sorry, nine bark in general. So that's a bush that'll have flowers in the spring. Flowers in the spring. Various colors are available. They come in purple leafed ones, green leafed ones, yellow leafed ones. She likes color. Now, she I don't think flowers. I have room for bushes. Right. <clears throat> no, bushes. It would have to probably be flowers. Native perennials. That, perennials? Well, you, perennials are herbaceous as opposed to shrubs, so they're smaller plants. Um, right. Uh, yeah. You know, do you have access to the internet at all, Barbara? No, I don't. Okay. Or do you have any children or grandchildren who, who can access uh, for you? I'm sorry. I just... Um, you know no, what? I don't. The University of Guelph, uh, if we go to, if you just Google or if, if anybody's listening and wants to try this, University of Guelph does have a plants that are tolerant uh, to growing near black walnuts list on their website. Because okay, that, well, you can always go to the I'll library. Be in, in a week or so, mm-hmm. and maybe I'll know somebody there who has access. Yes, okay. and I, you know what I was thinking, Paul? I know that a bunch of the ornamental grasses are quite good beneath yeah. walnuts, but again, not super colorful. They, they're they beautiful well, in their own way, but they're not traditional flowers. Not, not like petunias and marigolds. No. And the, my, the list that I have in front of me is all woody plants uh, and right. a couple of vines, yeah, yeah. but does not right. extend to flowers. Okay, well, leave that with me. I might be able to just come up with a couple before the end of the show. You never know. Okay. Okay. Thanks for your call, call, Barbara. All righty. We're uh, just bumping up to our next break. Let's do that. Let's take a little break here and then come back. Uh, Nancy in Hagersville hanging on the line there. We'll get to you very shortly here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And, uh, Charlie, before we take a hike to Hagersville, uh, you had a comment uh, you wanted to add in here. Just a quick report back. Barbara, I'm sure you're still listening. Grab your pencil. Write this down. There are some perennial plants that seem to be tolerant to grow beneath black walnuts. For early spring blooms, consider irises. Uh, even, let's see, um, uh, hookera. I'm a f- big fan of hookera. Also coral bells. Summer blooms. Of course, the daylilies are wonderful. They bloom on and off all summer, as long as there's some sunshine. Uh, we've got peonies in the spring. Should be able to bloom well. Mm-hmm. Again, it's going to be sun dependent and then we've got garden flocks everybody loves garden flocks blooms late in the summer and shasta daisies so there's you know five or six spring summer uh, color for your garden beneath your black walnut right you are well nancy in hagersville time for you to jump on the airwaves here hi good morning hello yes hello good morning i have an english walnut Mm -hmm. i'm impressed i actually have two english walnut trees did you bring walnut seeds from England? No. Oh, no. No, no you... we bought them at a nursery. Ah. Yeah, they are available here. Yeah. They are? Yeah. Are they very hard to produce? Like, I've about four years ago, they stopped producing. Oh. But 
this past year, they started again, and I don't know why. Yeah, they, they'll. It's not exactly every other year that they will produce. They will produce poorly for two years in a row, three years in a row, sometimes four years in a row, and then all of a sudden, whoosh, you'll get one really good crop the next yeah, year. Yeah, That's true with all the fruit trees. They, it's a ton of energy is required to produce all those seeds. I thought so, maybe they, we had a lot more rain last season. Oh. Maybe based, that helped them. I don't know. No, it's based on the season before. You'd be surprised. Yes. Trees are very slow-moving, old ah. critters, right? They, they're yeah. not like a instant response to the environment. They're very, they, when a tree is dying, it takes years and years to die, usually. And when they're going to produce, it's a long process of building up the energy reserves to do so. And then all of a sudden, you'll get a bumper crop one year, and then you're back down to virtually nothing for... A, Sometimes a number of years, again, depending on the environment. Right. So I know my one older tree, it almost looked like it was dying. I was mm. cutting off some of the branches because it seemed like they were getting disease in them or something. Mm. Possible. Mm. I don't know what affects English walnuts or... Uh. Oh. Not much, but once, but things do. I mean, it, and particularly for, so often with trees, <coughs> it'll start with one little bit of damage, which then becomes a much bigger problem as insects are attracted to that damage, enter the plant, carrying viruses and bacteria on their bodies, thus making what was a small problem a bigger problem. So if in doubt about trees, particularly valuable trees, remember you've got the International Society of Arboriculture, Check them out. Find an arborist, a certified arborist in your neighborhood, and get them onto the property to give you some advice. Okay, okay Nancy, thank you very much for calling in. Thank you. Uh, we have uh, a first-time caller Yay. on the line. I'm delighted because Paul came in and said, oh, there's the first-time bell. Maybe oh. Paul wants to ring it. Well, oh, here. I'm yeah, pretty there sure you pretty capable. special. There you go. There we go. That's for Ray in Toronto. Good morning, Ray. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for the welcome. Um, I have a problem with my wisteria. Mm. It doesn't want to bloom. <laughs> <laughs> when did you plant it? I I bought the home about uh, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and it was in the soil then. Uh-huh. I built a pergola to uh, drape the branches over it, mm-hmm. and the first and second year it bloomed oh. beautifully. And then after that it's all in leafy Right through the summer, which I prune and prune and prune. Oh, good. And yeah, you uh, do. nothing happens. Oh, wisteria are very specific on their pruning. <laughs> I, I sigh because that, that's one of the most common issues with wisteria is getting it to bloom. Now, it has bloomed. That's good. That's very good. The challenge is, is to get it to continue to bloom. And, and when you prune, are you pruning off potential buds for next spring, yeah. for next season? Yeah. That's um, an, another I, tough question. Uh, yes, I prune in the summer, and I've, I've gone on the internet and okay. just leave uh, three, three uh, buds mm-hmm. and okay. then prune uh, above that. Oh, wow. And that's what I try to do. Tell me about uh, fertilizer. Do you fertilize it at all? I've, uh, the, I fertilized with uh, the sheep manure. I didn't know if it was the right type. Okay. Um, Have you done that the last couple of years in the spring? In the spring, yes. Okay. So always, always great to incorporate organic matter into soil of any of your gardens, any of your plants. Never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But so, sheep manure, any of the manures, animal manures tend to be high in nitrogen. Mm-hmm. And nitrogen encourages 
leaves and shoots and stems as as part of what it does when when it's feeding the plants. Mm-hmm. So it may be that you're you've got a very very happy healthy wisteria growing an awful lot of green growth because mm-hmm. of the sheep manure. So my impulse would be to say don't do any top dressing, don't do any fertilizing whatsoever this coming growing season. Just let it be. Mm-hmm. Follow those instructions, those pruning instructions. Were they uh, Ontario or at least Canadian uh, pruning instructions, or was it an American site you were looking at? Mm-hmm. Because there is a um, Canadian Gardening Magazine, which I don't even know if it still exists anymore. They did a they as far as I know, it's still on the web. It was a good magazine, very very local information, tips and techniques were super Canadian. They did about a five-page spread on mm-hmm. how to prune wisteria, and it is on the web. And oh. it's, it's excellent. It's got little photographs, it's got descriptions, tells you every step of the way what month to do what. And you're right, when you're talking about July, midsummer, there is a typical pruning that we do in Ontario, and that's that taking back all those long green shoots mm-hmm. to the three buds that you mentioned. And that does sound right. So for now, I'd avoid the fertilizer and stay on top of the pruning and cross your fingers. It's it's one of those things. If yeah, I, can I, I also suspected the, the the sheep manure because the leaves have been beautifully yeah. green. And yeah. I, I yeah. figured it must be the extra nitrogen in it. Could be. So. Paul had one more thought? Uh, two more things, I think. Uh, that pruning that you are doing, I would bring it a little earlier. Mm-hmm. If, you, if your neighbor has a wisteria that's flowering or if you see one around... Mm-hmm. then you want to time your pruning to be about two weeks after all of those flowers are mm. have fallen. Right. Yeah. So that you are not pruning off potential flower buds for the next year. Good point. And, and, and then my other... Ray is in Toronto, and the Toronto Botanical Gardens has a huge wisteria, so that would be you one go. you could watch. Mm. Okay. Okay. And then it may sound cruel, but I would say instead of stressing it by pruning it, grab a spade, <laughs> and this is going to sound weird, but stab a spade in the ground, not all the way around it, mm. but disturb the roots. Yeah. Stab the spade straight down, cut off some of the roots. Yeah. Make this plant think it's going to die, yeah. and it will make flowers. Well, how about that? You know, yeah. I have heard that before. Yeah, it is. It's a stress thing, and it actually works. Plants, uh, when you stress them to the point of, we we get anthropomorphic about this. The plants not really thinking, but but yeah. they will often flower when under stress. Gee, you know what, guys? I'm go. sorry. I'm not yeah. looking at the clock here. And we're thirty in the seconds very left. Very final seconds. Yeah. Uh, so we have to say goodbye Great to all question, of our listeners. Great question, Ray. We're gonna have to get Paul back. Super super <laughs> guest, Paul. Thank you for coming by. Yeah. Thank You're you welcome. For thank so you for much the opportunity. For starting up the black wall. Now you don't have to text me all the things we did. Didn't say. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and remember, we are a podcast. We can always listen to the show again and say, remember all the things we forgot to say on air. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Sebastian. Couldn't do it without Sebastian and the great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.